All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And we're back. We are back with another In the Bivouac. And if you have already read the title, you have already know where we're going. These guys, this guy, responsible for bringing probably one of the hottest bikes in Rally Raid at the moment, bringing that to the United States. We're going to be in the bivouac with none other than Gary Goodwin. We'll be calling him here in just a few minutes. But pretty crazy, right? Out of nowhere. You know, we were talking to Lizzie a couple weeks ago, and uh, she mentioned it's kind of like there was a buzz going on, and then all of a sudden, boom, three Coves and a factory team finished the Dakar, which is absolutely crazy. And then... And then Mike Johnson completes the Sonora Rally and then turns around and then goes and completes the Nora Rally. Mexican 1000. This thing is uh, wrapping up some pretty uh, impressive results. So we're going to talk to Gary Goodwin a little bit about that program and what is going on as the Cove makes its way into the United States. My understanding, we do have a few bikes already stateside and a few more coming especially the Rally Pro. I think the Rally Pro is uh, the one that a lot of people are looking for. But, I don't know. Kind of digging the adventure one, especially uh, if you got room to put a tablet on there and, you know, go see uh, Willem Abedin about a tablet setup, you know. And all of a sudden, you've got a rally bike. So, I am definitely interested in seeing a little bit more about how this bike is going to progress. And how it is going to make... I mean, shit, maybe might even have one in the uh, garage. Maybe maybe it'll make its way into the garage. Who knows? I got to make some room, obviously. We don't want the uh, 790 getting jealous. But I don't know. I mean, you know, you, if you guys have already seen, you've seen the review with uh, Jimmy Lewis and his and his riding. I mean, the bike looks really impressive. Obviously, Jimmy Lewis, compa- uh, Dakar competitor, instructor all-around badass when it comes to riding motorcycles put it through its paces and had uh, nothing but good things to say so i think that is a that is definitely a great start to this i really do think i mean i know there's a lot of haters out there there's a lot of people going eh, it's not gonna well it's you know it's quickly racking up the uh the results the finishes and that i think is what's important right and if you if we're if we're being realistic the majority of us out there want a reliable bike. Uh, a majority of us are not fast enough to compete for the top spots at some of these races. And I know there's people listening right now going, well, I am, well, I am. And that's perfectly fine. You're going to push that bike probably harder than most of us will, which is absolutely great. But for the vast majority, reliability. And and actually for you, the fast guy, you know. Uh, what is it uh, to finish first? You must first finish. So very, very interesting. I am absolutely looking forward to it. Let's see if we can get uh, Gary on the phone here in just a second. Talking about the Kobe. Let me grab the phone here. And plug it in. Let's see where we're at. Let's not play music. That's not what we're looking for. All right. Let's turn the volume up here, see if we can get him on the phone. 
this is Gary. Gary, how are you, sir? Hey, doing great. How are you? Yeah, doing all right. It Good. is a a warm, sunny day down here in uh, San Diego. Where are you at? Yeah, I'm in uh, Utah now. I'm actually at the shop, and uh, it's been really, really hot here as well. Oh, uh, you get you see triple digits as well up there. Um, yeah, this, this week will probably the next couple of weeks it's been, yeah, around a hundred, 103 or so, like something like that. Yeah. Nice. All right. So sounds like uh, warm weather durability testing. Yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we did some of that this last week. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay. So in the intro, I say you, you're responsible for, uh, getting one of the hottest bikes in, uh, in rally raid <laughs> to the States. So yeah, I mean, let's dude. I mean, the buzz around the Kove has been absolutely insane. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, been a bit of a whirlwind the last six months and uh, trying to get it out. Um, and it's starting to finally take shape, which is great. Yeah. And so you've been now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, with, with GPX and a couple other brands, you've, you have your own company, you've, done importing and worked with other manufacturers how did Kove end up on your radar yeah so um yeah i've been going over to china a long time since 2005 and so i've worked with a lot of different factories over there and uh i've known of Kove oh probably about six years now um they've been pretty popular in asia and in china for a 500 twin adventure bike that they have they've been selling a lot of domestically in china and uh and it's been really well received it's definitely one of the better chinese bikes uh out right now as far as that 500 it's been uh, i think they sold twenty five thousand of them last year so they're doing really well with that um i first saw i i first saw the the rally concept and talked to them the rally concept it's been about three three and a half years ago Mm mm-hmm um, and you know, lots of testing, lots of things going on to get it to the point where it's at right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just a quick history of how I've known of them. Yeah. Interesting. So it was just, you know, I, to me, Kove is a few months, I mean, a year earlier than this most recent Dakar. I had never heard of them as a motorcycle <laughs> manufacturer. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So the, yeah, the Rally 450, it's been out, like, as far as being tested for about three years now, since just kind of right before COVID is when they were really first testing the bikes. Mm-hmm. There's been quite a few different revers- revisions and things like that to get them to the point right now. And uh, the first the first batch of off-road bikes has shipped and left the factory, and we should see those here probably in about two or three weeks. Nice. And that's been, I mean, I, that's been a long fought battle because obviously we we get the the shipping delays and trying to get everything here in time is always a always a challenge. Sure. The so you guys already so after the Dakar, I know were you down at Sonora Rally? I was. Yeah, I was down there. Uh, gosh, when was that? Now I can't think. Was it March, February? When was it? April. I can't remember. April. I know, right? April. Yeah. <laughs> it just blends all together. Kind of a whirlwind. Yeah, I was down there in April uh, with the factory guys. Um, they had Nails, the the French writer there, and Sunye, the Chinese writer, and then uh, probably her. I guess you did have Mike Johnson on there on mm-hmm. your podcast. So 
you've kind of heard his story of all that. And, uh, yeah, it was really good to be down there with the factory and really good to see some of the changes, some of the improvements, you know, things like that, that are going into the production bikes. It's just awesome to work with those guys because they get it, you know, they know what needs to, what the testing is and they get the, the needs and then, you know, the improvements that need to be made. So it's been really helpful and really good to work with those guys at, uh, at the races. Yeah. And that, so, I mean, you've, you guys have already done, I mean, yeah, the Sonora rally, then, uh, the Mexican 1000 and that kind of alluded to one of the questions that I had is, so they are pretty responsive and are they, cause usually what I see happen with manufacturers is, is that they find an issue, they work on kind of covering it up. And then all of a sudden six to eight months later, there's a revision that comes out of something. Uh-huh. How responsive is Kove and, and I mean, how are they... Are they pretty quick to change stuff or? Well, the thing that's, you know, I mean, I've been chomping at the bit for this bike for a long time. And so I've been pestering them for three years, like, come on, send me a sample, send me a sample. And, you know, it was frustrating. But the good thing is, is that they didn't because they wanted to make sure things are things are right. Mm -hmm. And so I got my first samples in February and, uh, you know, that we kind of hit it running and went right to some of the review guys because we wanted to get their reviews and opinions and things like that and some of the feedback that we've been doing and the the reviews that we've been doing we have got a lot of good feedback and you know there are a few fine details that are that are going into the production bikes because the the samples that i've had are kind of a pre-production model they're part of a uh, a chinese domestic run that was done uh not part of the export models okay uh so it's been cool to see them uh make updates and changes that way nice that's good i mean and and i i'm for the better right because i think i'm you and i both know i mean that there's there's a lot of people out there there was a a, a crowd that's obviously beginning smaller they were like oh it's a chinese bike eh, it's not gonna work it's not gonna do this and then when it finished the dakar the sonora rally and and the mexican 1000 so i know that group of haters is getting smaller quick yeah but i mean yeah, we still hear about stuff pretty regularly. I mean, it's just part of it, um, yeah. but that's okay. That's yeah. it's fun. I know, it's right? Fun. I mean, yeah. the price point is there. Um, yeah, the two versions I think is awesome. You know, at first I was like, yeah, you know, the rally one would be really cool, but now you know, thinking it's like, no, you could do, could probably do a tablet on on the adventure version of it, and right. and still be good yeah. to go for ninety eight percent of the stuff that the mere mortals sure. want to do. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, there'll be lots of updates and changes you can do aftermarket options to to the standard model as well to kind of make it a crossbreed of a race model and get kind of the best of both worlds if you're if you're into that. Yeah. Nice. And so, I mean, with that being said, you know, the options and stuff like that, have you guys been working or I mean, we kind of know you guys have been working with uh, some of the aftermarket companies already here stateside, right? Yeah, we're trying to trying to get them in the hands of as many of the guys that, you know, and if there's things that people want to see, I'd love to hear about it. But we're trying to get them in the uh, in the hands of those, you know, kind of common aftermarket parts that a lot of guys use, you know, uh, see concepts, recluse, uh, cycle, uh, cyclops lights. Those guys are all working on different things. Um 
And then we've had bikes at Rocky Mountain ATV. They're just down the road from us. And so they do a really good job of uh, kind of crossing over and seeing what commonalities and things like that there are with the bikes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all kind of steamrolling and in the works. And we'll all be available on the site and through Rocky Mountain ATV MC and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, that's obviously a huge part of it is that if they have a aftermarket following and aftermarket support that's a big ease for a lot of people you know because that's always the question well what about parts what about blah 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 you know mm-hmm. so yeah we're trying to put everybody's minds at ease and get as much aftermarket support as we can that way definitely nice yeah and i mean and i've seen i've already seen the post um i'm in the in the COVID group and i've seen uh that looks like there's a new engine for the rally bike that they're working on something that's lighter and yeah yeah um yeah we'll see i mean that's still it's still a few years away but Kobe is a very progressive company and they want to win um they want to compete uh right now this the engine that's in it it's it's very good it's very solid very reliable um it's probably down 10 horsepower from like a pro race level ktm or something like that so you know, for the adventure guys, for the dual sport guys, and even the recreation type rally guys, I mean, they can go out, they can compete, they can do really well. I mean, Nell's just finished fourth, I think, in France at the, or fourth or fifth, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Mike Johnson, he was right there running with guys with big KTMs down there. So, I mean, they're certainly capable, mm-hmm. but the factory also, you know, kind of some of the history of where this motor came from, what it is, and and how it functions and works right now it's it's perfect in my opinion for exactly that adventure type segment mm-hmm. if you're one of the top five ten percent type of dudes that are going to be at the car and they got to have that huge huge horsepower they are going to be a little bit of a disadvantage because it doesn't quite have that that you know i mean i hear people claim 70 horsepower out of a ktm 450 rally bike i don't know if that's true but seems a little bit high to me but uh anyway yeah so that's kind of the story of it for uh, i i can explain kind of what the engine is and what they're going for i don't know what kind of information you're looking for that way but well i mean i think you hit a really good point there and I remember the off-road industry was all about wheel travel. You know, I have 36 inches of travel and, and on the bikes, it seems like the horsepower, but at the end of the day, uh, the majority of us don't have the talent, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm down on, I'm down five horsepower, man. That that's making all the difference. I go, most of us aren't going to notice that. Actually, I think I was actually looking for a 350 for myself for that very same reason. I have a 501. The thing is an animal. Well, yeah, you know, you back off the horsepower a little bit. You can actually ride it a little harder and have more fun with it. Than... Exactly. <laughs> so what do you want? I mean, uh, Jimmy Lewis rode the thing. I mean, he, yeah. he put some miles on it. And yeah. I mean, it, the bike looked really good. I mean, I, that was the video for me that said, like, okay, if that's the stock suspension and watching it work, I'm like, okay, this thing is. It, yeah, that's just it yeah, for sure. As a, as a package. And then I did see a spy shot or I did see the shot that uh, was posted. I believe it was from Cyclops with that third light up top right under the windscreen uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. They've come up with that. I actually haven't even picked that bike up yet or seen that one yet. But, yeah, no. we let we left that bike with them for a while and they've been messing around with it. Uh, 
we'll probably pick that up in a couple of weeks and ch- kind of check out their light system. But yeah. Yeah. And then that bike also has the, the recluse in it. So you can, you can do the auto clutch or recluse also is doing their heavy, heavy duty, whatever they call it, their, their, uh, clutch fibers. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll be able to have the manual clutch option from recluse or the, uh, or the core type auto right. clutch from them. So dude, that's awesome. I mean that, yeah. I mean that, I think that's the biggest thing is like, okay, well, I got the bike now, especially for people like me that love to tinker with, I cannot leave anything stock. Ooh, this is better. Yeah. I know this is better. It has to be better. I'll never notice the difference, but I know it's better in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nice. So what are the next, uh, I mean, you got the next batch. What, what's in the works? Like what's coming? Okay. Yeah, so right now the first batches have shipped. Um, it's about 74 bikes, and those ones are the uh, off-road, you know, off-road models. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, technically we can't import them yet as a 50-state model. We do have models at the labs being tested now. Paperwork is in the process on all of that. Um just based on things I've seen from other factories and timeframes and that it's usually probably about a year to get that done. And we're into it about six months right now. Uh, Things are progressing. Things are going that way to be full street legal certified models. But as it is in the meantime, we will import them as off-road models. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and that's kind of more of a state by state type thing some states you may be able to get them road tag other states you can't we can't make any claims that you're going to be able to be street legal or things like that i mean you know how it is people have their workarounds in certain states and Mm -hmm. and things but that's just kind of where it's at because the models that we are importing are strictly off-road models and we have to sell them as such Mm -hmm. um once we have the full certified street models, then we'll start taking deposits on those models and, and get those on order. But my guess is those specific models are probably six to eight months away. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, I mean, in the meantime, I, I, I come from I'm in California. So I, you know, I, yeah. th- I think we set the bar here. Or I'm not going to say we because I don't believe in the mm-hmm. but <laughs> but California kind of sets the bar. You know, when they say 50 state legal, it's usually it's because California approved and everybody else follows suit. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, with you, you know, I yes, I absolutely see plates from other states here on bikes that, you know, for sure. Uh, and. Uh, you, you know, it, 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 I just kind of look at it as it, as it is what it is. I mean, they don't get ridden enough to say that they're, uh, it's because they don't have a turn signal. It's because, right. you know, just basic issues, basic things. So anyway, yeah. I mean, it'll be, it'll be really cool to start seeing some of these on the street. And I think as an adventure bike, you know, that since that middleweight adventure bike class got so hot. Yeah. I think that this is like the right like just a little bit lighter, just a little bit, because this, those things are still heavy. I mean, I have a 790, and that thing is, even with all the yeah. stuff I've done to it, it's still heavy. So something yeah, like this. I've, yeah, I've had the 790. I have, I have the 890 now as well, and, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I'm 51 years old now, and picking up an 890 or a 790, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that, you know, most of the time when I do adventure rides or backcountry rides, stuff like that, we try to – mix it up you know as much as we can with some fun technical different things and challenge it and see how it goes and so that's 
Yeah, I mean, I've done those kind of things on 690s and 701s and 950 Super Enduros, the 890s. I mean, all those things. And they all have great pluses and minuses, but there's definitely a lot of uh, diversity and crossover with the rally for sure. It's it's pretty fun that way. It's exciting that way because there's so many opportunities for different trails you can do. Yeah, how I mean, and that's good to know. I mean, in comparing both, because there's I know that there's a lot of people that are listening to have you know the 790 kind of dominated the market uh, uh-huh. to the middleweight. What are the I mean, besides the weight, are there any other big distinctions between the two? Well, you know, I mean, I just got back. I I just did an 800 mile ride on the on the, actually Sonia's uh, race bike, and then we had the other uh, standard demo model as well, <laughs> and. I've spent some time on them, but I haven't gone like a week back to back to back, you know, riding it every day. And sometimes it kind of takes that to get the nuances and figure out the bike and what it's doing. And one of the concerns I had was how's this thing going to do on the highway long distance Mm -hmm. times. And, uh, uh, yesterday on our way back, we did 220 miles of highway, which we didn't really want to do because I just don't like highway. It's kind of boring, but um i was pleasantly pleasantly surprised it it did really well um but you know on the way down i i usually kind of make my own routes and sometimes google earth and what the map says is not what reality is and so we got into some situations where we had to take about 12 miles a single track and i was certainly glad i was on my kobe rather than on my 890 at that point (laughs) you know so I mean, you know, on the highway, the 220 miles back on the highway, mm-hmm. I mean, may, maybe the 890 is a little bit better, but I don't think it's substantially huge, huge improvements better. But I, there's just no way I would have wanted to take the 890 where we took the Kobe's on a, a lot of the other areas we did on this last ride. So everything has a trade off. The 890 is a great bike. The T7 is a great bike. It all just depends on, you know, what you're looking for, what you want to do. But I feel like right now, as it is, I don't think there's a bike on the market that has as much crossover ability and diversity of of what the Kobe has. Yeah, my personal opinion. Yeah, no, and I, you know, I I agree with you. I share that opinion. It just the sizes. It looks like the size is right. It's got the fuel capacity for it, which is with seven seven gallons, eight gallons. Yeah. I say 7.9. Yeah. 30 liters. Yeah. Yeah. So you got the fuel capacity, you got enough engine to get you into trouble and to get you from A to B, you know? So I'm, I agree. I think that that's the segment now. I don't know. It it would be interesting to see because I had heard that KTM was talking about a 500 CC twin adventure bike, but then all of a sudden it just vanished and you know, things are going out. So which, okay, cool. But I think, yeah, I think it's I think it's really tough to in a twin market. I really think no matter what you do on a twin, you're still only going to get your weight down so far and you're still you know what I mean? It's just tough to get it down to that aggressive type weight that they need to be in order to to try some of the single track type stuff and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. No doubt a twin cruise is nice and smooth and everything that way, but yeah, like I said, everything has a plus and minus to it. Yeah. So I, I guess like I, you hit in is you just got to be realistic with what you actually intend to do. And, yeah. And if you're coming from an off-road dirt bike background, the 790 is very attractive because, well, it's orange and and the suspension is there and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, a dirt bike guy might find himself more comfortable 
on something that's still more of a dirt bike, but that's got the fairings and the fuel capacity. Yeah, for sure. That's good. And it really, I feel like it's kind of in the middle too. You know, it's not a, uh, it's definitely not the twin because of the weight and everything, but it's also not a 450 that's got all the dual sport and big tanks and all that. Because, in my opinion, the handling of a fully modded, you know, say like CR 450 or a KTM 450 or 500, no matter where you put the weight, your big fuel tanks and things like that, it's still, it's not a rally bike design. And there's differences that make a big difference in a rally bike design versus a built enduro, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know? the fuel being in the wrong place up high instead of down low and, and yeah, spread across fuel being the in the wrong place. Yeah, exactly. Airbox, you know, uh, just ease of maintenance, you know, the windscreen. I mean, there's a lot of little things that make, you know, whether it's a Kobe rally bike or any rally bike, there's a lot of things that make rally bikes do what they do very well. And, you know, part of that is lightweight adventure. Now, something I'm I'm curious about is the I I've subscribed to the 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 program of suspension. You know, before you really do anything else, is do the suspension. Yeah. Uh, how I mean, is this something that uh, you know, if I got a local you know local guy uh, like uh, Ty Davis or uh, Crow or one of those guys here local, right? Any good local suspension guy. Is mm-hmm. this is this going to be a foreign uh, shock, a foreign fork to them, or or they should be able to figure it out pretty quick? Uh, they should be able to figure it out pretty quick. Uh, we're going through a lot of different crossover things with that right now. There is a lot of show of stuff that crosses over, and we're kind of diving into some of that to see all of the options and different things that are available. But there'll definitely be plenty of options and things available that way. But I would say before anybody jumps into all that, make sure they go ride it and hammer it and beat the hell out of it and figure out where they need to go or what they think they need to do because i feel like it's it's pretty it's really pretty dang good stock and there is some uh you know fine tuning everybody can benefit from fine tuning but Mm -hmm. um i mean just to kind of give you an idea uh on the on the sonora rally so uh Sun Ye, the Chinese rider, if he's 120 pounds, I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you've got Mike Johnson, who's 200 pounds. And then Nails is a ride around probably 200 pounds. And, you know, they uh, Nails and uh, Sun Ye had planned to, you know, airship in their stock suspension. I mean, not their stock suspension, their race suspension. And just because we had the bikes airshipped in to me here in Utah. And then I had to transport them down to uh Sonora, so they didn't have any time to do anything with the bikes, basically. But they were bringing their suspension with them, but everything got stuck in customs. So all three of those guys, all three of those guys, you know, Nails is an A plus rider and pro level, and uh, you know, Mike Johnson, he's a great rider too, more of a vet type rider. And then you got Sunye, that's a young young guy that's super lightweight. They all ended up running exactly the same, the same suspension, exactly the same spring rates all the way across the board. And, um, you know, Nels, Nels made some comments that it was a little too soft, but, but he still ran, he still did, did fine on it. And then this, uh, 800 mile ride I just did, I, I was riding Sunye's bike with stock suspension and I'm, 
210 pounds plus I had 30 pounds of gear, you know, so it's, it's something in my case where I would probably, I think the stock spring rates of 5.4, I'd probably go to a six if I'm setting it up for myself, but it's stuff that, uh, it's functioning and working like it should. It's not doing like crazy bottoming out or pogo stick or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everybody's probably ridden one of those bikes that just the suspension is, you can tell it's just not even close. And Mm -hmm. so I think people, you know, like I said, people ride them, check them out. And then, and then let's talk about, you know, fine tuning it because they really are going to work really, really well for a lot of, a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's really good to know that the, that the broad range and, and what you're saying is very true. It's like at that, that is uh, universal across the board before you mess with it, go ride. Cause then otherwise you're not going to know what to tell the suspension guy you need. Exactly. Yeah. But it sounds like in doing that, you're going to discover that it's probably, Again, we go back to what is it, the 60-40 rule. It's going to be good for at least 60, at the very least, 60% of the people out there. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't think anybody's going to hop on it and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't ride this thing. I yeah. mean, it's going to be something that they need they need to fine-tune just like any other bike. But it's It may it's be hard for them. <laughs> it may be hard for them to explain, actually, what it needs. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, so that's good to know. So. All right. So if everybody's, I mean, at this point, everybody's seen the reviews and everybody's seen the stuff. And I think a lot of minds are being made up about like, okay, it's time to, you know, put a deposit down, get something going. What is that? How does one make that happen? Yeah. So right now, um, the first batch of the 74 bikes, those are pre-sold and they are sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just been taking $500 or a thousand dollar deposits on those. Um, and yeah, they right now as it is, depending on how customs goes and everything, we have uh, we are anticipating those about the twentieth of August. Um, the second and third batches are leaving the factory probably next week, so they're just shortly behind the first batch. Okay. And uh, we are taking b- deposits on those ones right now, so the second and third batches are not sold out yet. So gotcha. yeah. Um, you can go through gpxmoto.com. They're kind of temporarily on that shopping cart right now where you can do a deposit mm-hmm. or uh, covemoto-usa.com. Um, and that's the best way to get a hold of us or just through email or, or, or anything that way. So, okay. So that makes it, uh, I'm actually uh, working my way to the website here just to check it out, see if there's any. Uh... Oh, there it is, COVID USA. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A lot of stuff's being added to the site now. Uh, we've kind of temporarily been using the GPX Moto website, but yeah, the Cove Moto USA will be a standalone for Cove products. Nice. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, they've got. Uh, so yeah, so for those playing the home game, it looks like yeah, you got the. I see the clay model here version, <laughs> some team photos, and cool. So I mean, yeah, there's a lot to be seen on the. Uh, just on the page, just some pictures there. And then, uh, latest in yeah, it's cool. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, these photos yeah. look familiar. Is this, this looks like Simon <laughs> Cudby's handiwork. Yeah. He's the man. He's it's pretty, <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. It's been a lot of fun. I've been able to get to know and work with a lot of really great people. You know, the Kobe's of, you know, it's something that's really opened a lot of doors for me and a lot of, a lot of great people that I've been able to meet. So, and Simon's he's, you know, everybody knows Simon. He's the best there is. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I have a question then in regards to this. So how, how tall are you? And if just really quick, can you tell me about the buffeting and all that? Yeah, I'm six one, uh, like a 32 inch, just kind of short legs, 32 inch inseam, a six one. Um, uh, the bike that I rode, I had, uh, this, the race bike has about a, uh, what is it? Two or three inch taller windscreen. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I mean, it's nice. I think I would probably, if I set up my own bike, I would probably do that just cause I think it gives you just a little bit more on the highway. Okay. Um, I didn't feel like it had like, uh, when I think of buffeting, it's more of kind of inconsistent, inconsistent, uh, turbulence. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I have inconsistent turbulence, but I do have kind of the, uh, it, it keeps it all off of my chest and shoulders, but I, but it, it's hitting me in, in about the head area. Gotcha. So pretty standard that way. Um, but I mean, I think for what it is, it does really, really well. It's certainly not a GS 1250 or whatever like that, as far as wind protection, but it's not an open faced Enduro either. It's, to me, it's perfect for what the bike is. In, in my imagination, I think most guys are going to use this for mostly off-road adventure with with street adventure mixed in, but not the street adventure as the priority. Gotcha. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, that was something I remember when I back in my days at BMW. It was everybody. You know, it was either there was two schools. They wanted a, a, a twenty-eight inch tall windshield that looked like it had satellite <laughs> reception. Uh, yeah, because of the buffeting. But my argument always was, well, the helmet that you're wearing was designed in a wind tunnel in yeah. clean air. Yeah. So, okay. So, that, I mean, but that's cool. So are the windscreens interchangeable though? Like if I, they are, a, yeah, yeah. So you could put the taller one on the standard models. Yeah. Okay. And I, you're probably going to ask how much that is, but I don't have that priced out yet, but we nah, will it have it nah, next I, week. So I mean, they're pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean the price of the bike is reasonable, so I can't. I I wouldn't assume that anything like, you know, like you look at a KTM Rally Factory replica, you lay it down on its side and you smoke a tower, and then you got to go apply for financing. Yeah, I think. So, uh, yeah, I've had other people make comments about that, like on the skid plate and stuff like that. Like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think a, re- a replica skid plates. I don't even know thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks. I can't remember. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we'll be in the couple hundred dollar margin there. So that's yeah. Which is, I mean, that that's more, I mean, that plays along the lines, like for a skid plate for a 790 is roughly about that. You know, it's, it's, it's a big piece of metal. It's not a glide plate like it is on, on dirt bikes. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to hope, or I would imagine that probably like Gibby or one of these other companies we may jump on and create uh, some stuff as well for it aftermarket. Yeah, I've seen a couple of guys uh, kind of working on some aluminum skid plates, and I haven't found one that I think is very good yet. Um, we'll kind of watch that and see. And then we are working with a company called SXS. They do a lot of uh, enduro-type skid plates and things like that. They have they have one of our skid plates now, and uh, looking at not so much creating a whole new skid plate, but basically creating a uh, UHMW Delron-type uh, belly pan that can go on the existing plate, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like a quarter inch thick thing that, uh, just gives a little more glide to it, protects a little bit more in the rocks and stuff just like that. Right, right where it needs to be. I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Uh, I used to do yeah. the aluminum skid plate thing, but I, I, I'm become more of a fan 
of yeah the high high density hdpe that kind of stuff you know i think it one yeah glides better and then for some reason it doesn't reflect the sound as much as aluminum does for sure yeah i think it'll be a pretty good option that way because i'm the same way i mean the carbon fiber works really well as long as it's not a uh, like a a heavy rock impact that can crack it or whatever although i had a couple pretty good ones of those and the skid plate's still all intact and it did its job it is cracked a little bit but i anticipated that i guess yeah it happens yeah i had another call coming in there sorry about that oh you're good the well good i mean that's i mean aftermarket support bikes are coming in it sounds like uh batches two and three not far behind So yeah. yeah, Cove Moto USA. Uh, I'm, dude. This is. I mean, this is gonna be crazy. I, I just like. <laughs> this is gonna be the bike. I think it's gonna be the bike for a while because I don't. You know, I don't see. I really don't see KTM uh, or any of the other guys bringing in a bike like that. You know, into the U.S. So for yeah. those, and then readily yeah. available, and then and and then the fact that you could buy two and a half of these for what you would pay retail on a, on a RFR. Yeah. You know, and yeah, the RFR is great, but she's, uh, she's a little high strung. She's a little high maintenance. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, I don't want to bore you with the ideas of this engine and how it came about, but to me, it's, it's not the perfect engine for those top five guys who are going to go try to race the car, but it's the perfect engine for, everybody else the reason why i say that is because originally it was designed as an asian domestic adventure bike Mm -hmm. Uh, it's made by a company called zong shen Mm -hmm. and it was a single cam version it's a very big heavy bulky bottom end Mm -hmm. um kobe started on this project like i said three years ago with that single cam engine and it just didn't doesn't have enough power to go compete or even you know race into car it's just down on power with that single cam and so uh kobe the owner of the factory he he is an engineer and uh he worked with cf moto which if everyone is familiar with cf moto they've got a lot of uh crossover with ktm and they work with ktm and so Uh, the one thing that's happened in China over the last five years is lots and lots of technology has gone there because, you know, all the major brands are working out of China as well. And so, so you got a guy that breaks off, goes and does his own thing, works, working with Zong Shen. And he basically took that single cam 450 and said, let's get some power to this thing and let's make it work. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they've done is they've developed the twin cam engine to go with that. And then they have a, exclusive contract with the engine manufacturer on that um but what it's done uh, it's great because the bottom end was designed like i said as an adventure bike you know the rx uh, zongshin rx4 i think is what they call it Mm -hmm. um you know different top end same bottom end but they're using those in asia and domestic and uh different markets and very big, very bulky. The thing that's nice about it is it carries uh, almost two liters of oil. So versus taking a, you know, you know, most of these other rally replica type bikes, I mean, originally design of a lot of those engines were really kind of generated more as a motocross type bottom end, which doesn't carry any 
oil capacity, very lightweight, which is great, but they're really not designed as they're, they're designed as a race bike. They're not designed as an adventure type bike. So this, this bottom end was designed with that in purpose. And, you know, like I said, they're trying to, they're racing that, but it's not, it's not a race engine really. You know what I mean? It's more of an adventure engine, truly Mm -hmm. the root of it. Yeah, but that's I mean that that's actually really good knowledge because for yeah like, for those playing the home game I mean yeah you, when you think about service intervals and you think about you know just the reliability of it you have you almost double the oil capacity on board than you would yeah. one of these others I mean the KTM's they knew they were racing from a pit to a pit so for exactly. them for them to do an oil change just because it's day three it's not a big deal because they're in a pit, but right. you know, for some, some people that especially doing the adventure bike riding side of things, you know, they're, they're going to probably put in a couple of rides before they consider changing the oil. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, uh, Jimmy Lewis, he talked a little bit about that on his uh, podcast or on his uh, review and, um, they did 1500 miles and changed the oil and it was, it was, it was great. It's clean, nice. you know? And so, yeah, I you know, I'm, I, I can say is uh, I'm a very I'm a very big fan of the you, you never know, you know, be careful yeah. how you judge things. And yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying kind of seeing the hater crowd shrink on this as the mm-hmm. bike continues to do gain support. You know, it's it's the buzz. More and more of them are being reviewed and, and the majority of them are, you know, they're all positive reviews. Actually, I don't think. Yeah. I've heard anybody say the bike is trash, the bike, you know, no, don't, don't throw your money away. Like they did with the 790. I mean, I did see reviews like that for the 790, but I don't Mm. know if they were just, you know, they didn't like that Kool-Aid or what, but this is, you know, this has been very, very positive, which is, which is awesome to see. And especially at the price point. I mean, that's just, yeah. Yeah, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's something probably that once they're fully street legal certified, we'll probably have to bump the price a little bit, but we're going to still try to keep it, keep it as competitive as we can. But just uh, $80,000 to $100,000 that it costs to get the full street EPA certification, we've got to price some of that in there yeah. and try to make up some of that. But yeah, the off-road models, and like I say, a price increase is pretty minimal. I don't think it'll be much that on that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, and it would open it up to be sold in California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just yeah. say that because that's really what it is. You could say, if you could sell it in California, it, you can sell it in the rest of the states. <laughs> it really is. It's mostly California because a lot of other states you can work around, but yeah. And then there, you know, uh, there's also people don't want to have to do a workaround, and I don't blame. Well, we want it to be a full street legal legal option for everybody too. There's not any question. So yeah, well, yeah, and and okay, and I mean, I think you know, even right now, I mean, it, if the bike went up another five hundred dollars, and you're yeah. you know ten five, you can't walk into a, a dealership and buy anything equivalent for ten five. Yeah, Brand that'd be fifteen hundred dollars. That'd be a fifteen hundred dollar increase. Yeah, yeah, ninety five. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, ninety five. I'm I'm thinking the other. What bike was I thinking of? No, okay. So nine k right now is the the adventure. Yeah, that's the standard models. Yep, the standard. And then the the pro version though is like twelve. Thir- thirteen. 
139, yeah. 39. And I and and I usually refrain from talking prices because you know the this podcast will be around forever and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I remember back in the day you said it was this much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we'll, just, well I'm sure we'll get those calls later. <laughs> you said it on this podcast. Uh-huh. And that was the price then and this is now. So <laughs> Yeah. Price is valid for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So what else do we need to know about the bike? I mean, is this uh I mean any other things you know the dealer network the dealer support are you guys signing up dealerships and franchises yeah we are how is this working yeah so some of the our previous products that we've distributed and imported um some of the stuff uh Pitster pro on the gpx bikes there are some of those dealers that will take them on and then we are establishing a lot of new dealers as well it'll be kind of treated as a separate uh separate dealership um, USA Motor Toys is my company, and we distribute and wholesale the bikes to dealers, and so kind of have different uh, different dealers for different type of products, type thing. But yeah, we're working with a lot of the dealers and a lot of inquiries, and a lot of people right now are just kind of waiting to get bikes so that they can start, you know, dealing them. Really, yeah, yeah. Well, this is going to be interesting, and what will be cool is is that. I'm just a big picture looking at the timing of it. It's like, okay, the first bikes that are already, the whole batch is already sold out as they arrive yeah. and hit and then friends ride it. The wait time I'm thinking may be less for that, that <laughs> second wave, you know, that put a deposit yeah. down, the bike's already on the water. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be really good because, you know, yeah, there's a lot of guys who have had deposits on since January and like we've been trying to, appreciate their patience and everything but it's uh we've been trying to get them here as quick as we can for those guys but people have been super patient and, and waiting but i think they're going to be really excited with what they get but yeah the anybody else who puts in a deposit or goes in on the second third batches they'll be much quicker they won't have to be quite as patient mm-hmm. nice <laughs> oh man that's god uh, i'm closing the website before i pull my credit card out very nice well awesome well i mean it's i i mean i'm looking forward to it i know that the bike has already gained a lot of attention and i think as it gets into people's hands and then you get that support from uh some of the aftermarket companies you know i not that it's necessarily needed but it's nice you know we're all a lot of us are all tinkerers right we want to put the best things we can on something that's already perfect yeah. 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 I, I've been uh, kind of playing with that, making my list on my ride back up the highway yesterday of little things. Yeah. Nice. But that's good. Cool. Well, excellent. Well, I mean, any, uh, any other things that we should know? Any, uh, any other news? Um, uh, I guess maybe some people, I mean, probably a lot of the information's out there, but some people always ask what's the difference between the standard and the race and the pro model, the race model, but mm-hmm. a lot of that information's out there, but, uh, just to kind of give you a quick rundown, the yeah. pro model will be with the carbon tower and the road book and all that for the, for, for the true rally stuff. And then they also have the bibs in those, uh, different ECU program as far as that goes. And, uh, a different exhaust system, uh, Scott's dampener, uh, different grips, a little bit taller windscreen. But most of the the major expenses of the Pro model versus the standard model is really into the navigation and stuff like that. That's where a lot of the majority of the price difference is. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you don't need the navigation, you can get the standard one and then add the little bits that the race bike has if you're interested in that. Okay. 
Yeah, I think that would be I'm, to me, I, I, I think that would be the way to go. And especially because you've got um, a lot of the roadbook navigation stuff and a lot of the adventure bike guys that might get into some kind of navigation type stuff. Uh, I think that the tablet is going to be the easier, you know, yeah. the easier route for them. I mean, I love the paper roadbooks, but, you know, I know the expense of a couple of ICOs and, and a roadbook holder and all that. So, so yeah. Yeah, on that, I mean, I know there's a lot of guys pushing for the digital stuff on that. I guess the big holdup right now is the the super fast guys have a hard time reading the digital stuff when they're going blazing through the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not bright enough, I guess. Maybe in mm-hmm. years to come, that'll be, maybe they'll all go digital. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few, I've seen a few posts. I've seen a few different versions out there. And yeah, they're getting better, but... Uh, I think it's going to get really difficult. I think what it, what ultimately is going to end up happening is everybody's developing it. They're all going to come out with it at the same time. Uh-huh. And then the Dakar, one of the organizations is going to pick one of those. And then the other guys may go by the wayside, which is going to yeah. suck. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I know, I've talked to a few of the guys who are developing those and um, trying to meet up with some of them. Uh, they're very interested in, you know, having those as an option for, you know, guys that want to put those on. But yeah. yeah, I hope they get them to where they're, you know, not a problem in their direct sunlight. And I think it's an awesome way to go if they can get it to that point. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and, and that's not to say for, again, for us mere mortals, yeah, we're not Toby Price. We're not, you know, we're not Mason Klein. We're not Skylar Howes. We're not those guys. So it's yeah. okay. You can slow down a little. <laughs> yeah yeah nice yeah i'm usually just using a little gps or my Gaia app or something like that and yeah works well yeah, just keep it simple and and keep it with things that work and ta-da yeah nice well excellent gary i appreciate you taking the time and uh talking a little covey with us yeah and, no problem uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it and uh and we'll be in touch i mean i definitely want to keep up with the news on it and uh and i i don't know have, nope Putting my yeah. credit card away, not pulling the credit card. Well, away. And, uh, <laughs> we're working, we're working on getting some of the eight hundreds too. I'll get some of those in here and see if we can get you on one to play around with those as well. I think people are going to be pretty excited about that one. I, I want to say, is there one already floating around here in the states, back east somewhere, or did I? Um, was that a different bike that I saw somebody else on? I'm not aware of any in the states yet on the okay. eight hundred yet. Um, must have been yeah, there's then. still a couple things we're working through on that, but uh, nice. I'm actually hoping to be over at the factory here again next month to do some do some rides on the 800. But nice. yeah, we'll see. Excellent. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, sir, and I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the interest and the support, and uh, we're we're very excited about it. We're excited to get these bikes in the hands of of the people that are listening to you. So yeah, they're uh, they're, they're all over the place. So <laughs> yeah, excellent. All right, Gary. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll uh-huh. see you. All right. See ya. Bye. All right. There you have it, Gary Goodwin. I'm. I'm I'm excited. I mean, I really am. I it's been a long time since, you know, you've had the Hondas, you have the KTMs, you have the Hondas, you have the Austrian bikes, you have Cowie, you have Suzuki that kind of stay away from where we're at in in this off-road and desert type industry. 
what I'm curious to see. Okay, so here's here's what I think may happen. What I would like to see is the standard version with the race trim stuff on it. Somebody gets into the motor, maybe gets a little bit more pep out of it. And then we go and see a few of these bikes start racing Baja, start racing Vegas Torino, start racing some of these longer point to point desert races, more oil capacity, more fuel capacity, a little bit heavier of a bike. Yes, but that also means that it's stable. And if you think about it, it's you can hit a bigger rock and the bike is not going to deflect as easily as maybe one of the smaller bikes. Now, I'm talking as if I'm a professional rider, but I've heard it from a lot of people that have ran some of these heavier bikes that they are more stable and they are easier to ride to a certain extent over big desert terrain. So I'm very, very curious. Anyway, I think we're going to see it. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how fast batch two and three sell out. I think that's going to be awesome uh, to see some more of these. I'm glad to see that Rocky mountain and a couple other, you know, Cyclops adventure sports, those guys are all starting to adapt to the bike or not adapt to the bike, but consider making parts for it and do stuff. So I think that's going to be absolutely awesome. I am absolutely looking forward to it and I can't wait. Yeah. All right. So that does it for this episode. That was Gary Goodwin talking Covey. Remember guys, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. What's going on, guys? Victor with the Chasing Waypoints podcast. All right. Are you looking to promote your brand to a worldwide audience on the podcast? Drop us a line at podcast at chasingwaypoints.com and let's talk. See what we can do about getting you some more ears for your company and getting the word out worldwide. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Bye.